Well, dude, thank you for being here. Carrie Warner. I really appreciate it. Um, I want to start off with, uh, some hard hitting questions here. What's your favorite Halloween candy? <laughs> uh, man, I don't think people give dark chocolate candy enough of, a. um, they don't put it on a high enough pedestal. I feel like more people need to like do that. Like Reese's Thins dark chocolate are probably the bombest. Reese's, th- I don't think I've ever seen those. I'll have to try those. So, j- well, they're thinner than a normal Reese's cup. And I like Reese's cups too, but they're harder to find in dark chocolate. The Reese's Thins are usually, you know, like very easy to find in dark chocolate, but they also make the best s'mores. Okay. Interesting. You're like blowing my mind. I never thought about using anything other than like Hershey's for a s'more. Oh yeah. You should hang out with my wife and I. <laughs> well, I want to ask man about your wife being a dietitian. Do you, I see you like you get into the donuts after the race, which I super appreciate. Do you, does she give you, is she like on you at all? Or is she like, ah, Carrie can do whatever he wants. No, man. She's like, uh, I feel like people have this weird stigma about dietitians. Like they're just like, like very strict. Like you got to stick to this portion of this certain like vegetable, fruit, protein, carb. That's all you get. And like no junk food, no sugar, like all this bad stuff. But uh, a lot of what she teaches her clients is uh, kind of like more uh like food appreciation and like not being afraid of food like there shouldn't be anything that you cut out of a diet you know like they should they should only be limited so i I should i should go back and i should say that we both graduated lee's mccray college with the same major as a major in biology with a concentration in nutrition so i also wanted to go this route but um then I was able to keep racing my bike and get paid to do it. And so then she went through the grad school program at UNC Greensboro. And I'm glad she did because it sounded miserable. Like they just had to do so much stuff that didn't, wouldn't have been fun to me. Like when I, when I think about nutrition, I'm thinking about like, you know, I was very into like pathways in school, like biological pathways and like how, how nutrition can affect that and like potentially give you gains. So I was like looking at it from a very like physiological standpoint, but I mean, like, I think there's room for that. It's just like, just as niche as cyclocross is, (laughs) you know, (laughs) uh, I think like broad spectrum, it's just like a lot of people don't understand basic food do's and don'ts. Um, so anyway, yeah, a little bit of a tangent, but she is very much a uh, moderate moderation type of person. Everything in moderation, even moderation. For sure. No, I think that's good. I think. Yeah. I don't know if you've. I don't know if you've seen like the. She's a very good baker. She gets very into uh, decorating some cupcakes and cakes and stuff. So, she actually made all the. She made the cakes and cupcakes for our wedding. She did like three hundred cupcakes. That's amazing, man. Is she, and is she doing those at home? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She does a really good job with it. That's great. She still, she still does stuff for like friends when friends, kids have birthdays and stuff. She still makes them. She made a unicorn cupcake themed, uh, for one of our friends. Uh, and then there was another one or maybe it was mermaid or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say anybody who's listening, who hasn't checked out Carrie's Instagram and YouTube, there's Emily's all over there with, uh, with her baking. It's great to see. <laughs> yeah. Um, so staying on this tangent with nutrition, has your nutrition changed throughout the years, like pre-race, post-race? No, not really. Um, like I said, I, I, I'm also like the type of person I am is a, I'm pretty laid back and I don't like to stress out about things too much, you know, like at least for me, I mean, it works for some people to just like laser hyper focus on certain things and like weigh their food or whatever they feel like they need to do. But like, for me, I would think I would just crack and downward spiral into oblivion. So yeah, I don't know. I just like try to pay attention to my like hunger cues when I'm hungry, I eat and when I'm not, I don't, I try to stay away from mindless snacking and, uh, 
in terms of pre-race and post-race, it's really been uh, really been the same. I think the biggest, maybe biggest change, and it hasn't even been that much of a change, has just been like really focusing on, especially in the cross season when you're racing Saturday, Sunday, uh, just really focusing on like racing Saturday after the race, uh, just getting some really good carbohydrate in. Uh, a lot of people a lot of people focus on this like protein need for protein consumption but i mean like a little bit of protein sure you need it uh just like kickstart the recovery process but the biggest thing you just did over the last hour was deplete glycogen stores and there is that like optimal window 30 to 60 minutes after a really hard effort that your body just wants to replenish them so I've been like really trying to stay focused on making sure that happens, especially because Sunday is going to be more of the same. For sure. And, you know, going back to that, I was calling you out on the donuts, but spiking that blood sugar right after is pretty great exactly, too. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Apple you're fritter right. is perfect for that. I know. Um, what about, have you, do you time out say race day, your routine? I know like from the vlogs, you do like your pancakes in the morning and then you're doing like usually your rice and eggs do you, are you pretty religious about like, I need to have this three hours or two hours or four, five hours. Do you have that all kind of dialed in? Yeah. Yeah. So going back to breakfast. So like I usually wake up and we usually race like four o'clock ish. So, uh, for us, that's like, I wake up, have breakfast. And the biggest thing, the reason I like pancakes so much is just because there's no fiber. It's just like straight carbohydrate. And then you can just put even more carbohydrate on top of it with syrup. Um, and they're just easy. I like them. They taste good. Uh, so pancakes for that purpose. And then for pre-race, uh, yeah, I, I usually try to stick to, um, right at three hours. I mean, like sometimes depending on when the pre-ride window is, sometimes I'm like a little under like two and a half, two forty-five, or, you know, three fifteen. But if I go later than three hours, then I usually have like a little bit of a snack, maybe an hour before, you know, like half of a cliff bar or like some shot blocks or like half of a pancake from the morning, something like that. Um, and then uh, I do hit, I do take a gel also like 20 minutes before the race as well. You know, what I was just thinking of in regards to gels. Have you ever taken a gel in a race? Uh, only longer race not never a cross never race. cross never, race yeah, never yeah. eaten in a cross race except for like the the handful of bacon hand-ups i've received but that's nice. about it yeah okay awesome um so hey man congrats on well actually you know what there's there's one you have the rv which i think is a huge it is a major plus for travel for oh, everything yeah and Absolutely. then for, for so what were you doing then i'm, I'm assuming there's probably cross races where you didn't have the rv yep. um do you, how do you skew? Cause like there's, there's a lot of people listening who are traveling. Like I'm saying for me, like I went to Rochester, I'm in a hotel, I'm trying to make things work. Do you right. have any tips or what did you do prior to the RV? Yeah. So it just takes a lot more planning or not even that much more, but like, uh, so before the RV, you know, if you want to have pancakes, you could get one of those plug-in griddles, super easy, uh, pretty small space. You could also just do like a hot plate with a pan, you know, if you don't want to buy a griddle, um, and then another super easy thing is just to get a rice cooker, uh, cause I do rice and then eggs, uh, right before the race. So, um, yeah, so it just takes a little bit more planning, bringing Tupperwares, making sure you can transport that food around to when you, so you can eat it when you need to. Definitely. I think planning is key there. It's getting those meals checked off. Like, what am I going to do for breakfast on Saturday? What am I going to do on Sunday? Yeah. And it sounds like from an outside perspective, it sounds like a little hyper focused, like, like you're overthinking everything, but in the grand scheme of things, when you have all that stuff figured out, uh, and then like, you know, best case scenario, you show up to the race, all you have to do is like air up your tires or whatever and go. But a lot of times something happens, you know, you got to switch tires or it's muddy. So you got to wash your bike a hundred times before the race, you know, whatever it is. It's like the more, the less you have to think of for that, for that kind of stuff, you know, the stuff that should just be, uh, should just happen. Like exactly. eating schedule and stuff. The less you have to think about that, the more you can not stress. And then, yeah, it's like a breezier start. 
we talk a lot about decision fatigue. And if you can just eliminate that and just get to your schedule and be like, this is what I'm going to eat for breakfast. Like you said, then you can dial in because there are so many other things on race day that can go wrong or, you know, and things are going to come up. So uh, the, if you can plan ahead every little bit, it really helps. Yeah, for sure. And with that said, like, you know, I have the RV, so I have a refrigerator, but like post-race, that means maybe you make a little bit extra eggs, couple, you know, make some extra rice. And then you have, you know, that for after the race too, because sometimes if there is a food truck at the venue, it's not the best decision, but, uh, other times there's not a food truck at the venue. So. Yeah. I, that's what I think supporting the, the food trucks there is great, but you shouldn't depend. That should be a post race, you know, don't depend on your pre-ride meal. Um, cause I get, I get so many comments from athletes like, Oh yeah, I, I had to eat, you know, a burrito, you know, 20 minutes before my race. And I'm like, just a little bit of planning would have gone a long way here, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Usually uh, you only make that mistake once. <laughs> I know. I know exactly. Yeah. But you'd be surprised. Some people come back and they'll do it again. Yeah. Um, so, Hey, switching gears here. Congrats on the USCX. That's amazing. Thanks. Um, and I don't know if you knew we probably do, but you're also leading the pro CX. I did. Yeah. yeah that's awesome, man. Do these, all the, I did actually a podcast breaking down like the USCX and the pro CX, um, and like the points distribution, does that stuff, does that confuse you at all? Uh, I mean, <laughs> honestly, no, cause I don't look at it that much. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the big thing for me, the reason it's not confusing is because I know that the USCX is its own thing and the pro CX is, is, is its own thing. Uh, I also am not super focused on the pro CX because it's literally every race on the calendar and I'm, I skipped major Taylor. I I'll skip these two Massachusetts races. And then, so that leaves me with only Hendersonville left. And I don't know if that'll be enough. Uh, uh, I know Curtis is doing the mass races. Steven is, uh, I did just, I was just chatting with Gosa. I think he is experiencing a little bit of burnout. And so he was talking about flying home after Falmouth. So, but I think since he raced major Taylor and will do both the mass races, like he'll probably edge me out regardless. It's not, it's not of concern to me. Gotcha. Yeah. The big one was the USCX. Cause that was like four live streamed races, all the C ones. Those, that was like the big, the big focus. What do you, what are your overall thoughts? How do you think the series went? I mean, you won it, but the production and everything. Yeah, you know, I think for being the first time, well, not the first time, because there was the uh, the USGP back in the day, like the the thing that we're all aspiring to get back to. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a great stepping stone. Having live stream races is sick because the, one of the big things, uh, especially in cross, is since it is such a niche sport, it happens like niche discipline it happens in the winter so people are less likely to do it you need so much equipment so there's all there there are these hurdles to get going um and having a a series that that is live stream so that people can actually like follow the whole thing that's what i mean that's what you need you need people to get involved um it's easy because everybody already has a gcn account because they're already watching all the other cross races and all the other stuff that GCN provides. So having them on board was huge. Um, just made it a lot more accessible to people. And that's what we meet. That's what we need. You know, we need a story. People want to follow a story. And, For sure. Uh, we, we haven't really been able to provide people with that in up until this, well, up until this point after USGP. I think it was great. I think I was a little bummed this past weekend. I, I definitely was bummed. Yeah. Think- you were like, Oh, there's no, cyclocross to watch i know exactly i'm like on instagram like trying to find live videos and then you get the results and stuff but i'm like man it would have been great to watch this i know i was i was kind of thinking the same thing because emily got on the podium on saturday major taylor and i was like dang i wish i could have watched that (laughs) yeah so so speaking of this past weekend this was like your chill weekend um what uh what did you do what would you do on your off weekend yeah so kind of interesting uh, because I, I drove back from Cincy on Monday and then I got a booster and a flu shot on Tuesday. So, um, didn't want to push it. I, I got the Pfizer booster and I got the Moderna shots first, first two, the second Moderna shot absolutely wrecked me. I posted, I posted a, a photo of my, I, I use an aura ring 
And so I had some uh, data on that and it was like expert, like huge respiratory rate increase, huge body temperature, huge heart rate, resting heart rate increase. Uh, so like big, like flu, like symptoms on that second Moderna shot. And then the Pfizer shot was probably, I don't know, it was maybe half of that. Like I slept all the way through the night. So no issues there. My, I did have elevated resting heart rate and respiratory rate and body temperature, but it wasn't anywhere nearly as bad as the, as the Moderna second shot. So, so that was, that was good, but regardless, I wanted to play it a little conservatively. So we didn't do too much until I think I got into some efforts on Thursday, Friday. Uh, and then my parents came down to visit. So <clears throat> I was kind of playing, playing host and tour guide for a little bit. How much are you having that aura ring guide your training? Oh, not at all, really. Um, I just like to look at it for data, seeing trends, um, you know, be, this is what I do for a living. So it's like, I, I mean, every day is more or less the same, you know, like in terms of like, uh, like sleeping and what I can expect. Like I don't, I, I very rarely have to do stuff that puts me out of my, uh, like normal routine comfort zone, you know, like heavy labor or, you know, something that would like ruin my recovery or something. So it's really just like monitoring and seeing like, Oh, I, I didn't sleep as well last night. What, why might that have been uh, that kind of thing? Well, speaking of like ruining your recovery, I'm curious of uh, what did you refer to it as the cyclocross stage race of America? Oh yeah. Yeah. So what was happening? That was, I think that was six races in 10 days, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, and if any, anyone is unfamiliar with this, this is, this is your own name for this, right? The cyclocross, which is just for fun. The cyclocross yeah, yeah. stage race of America. Um, so what was, I'm curious what the data was like throughout that 10 day period. Yeah, I was actually I like going into it. I was a little curious how it would go as well. Um, <clears throat> but like you said earlier, having the RV helps a lot. And so while we did do a ton of travel and obviously a bunch of racing, like everything was pretty, you know, everything was pretty breezy for us because after every race, well, not every race, but the races when we did have to move after we would just pack up, drive a couple hours in the RV, park at a Walmart parking lot, get the sleep we needed and then like roll out and then like all that driving does suck, but at least in the RV, you know, you can get up, stretch your legs, go to the bathroom if you have to, when you have to, I mean, uh, you know, you can lay in the back and put your feet up or I was playing the guitar a little bit or like we're doing the vlogs on the road. Like it's all pretty, it's all pretty chill, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I was paying attention to all that stuff and, uh, yeah, my scores were pretty good throughout the, throughout the week. I had like, you know, the typical post-race, like wake up after a race and readiness score was pretty low just cause you're all jacked up from racing and whatever. But yeah, it seemed to, it seemed to level out throughout the course of the, throughout the course of the week. That's great, man. What about, did you, are you doing any, I might, I think I know the answer here, but are you doing any type of other additional riding in that 10 day period outside of active recovery or anything like that? Yeah, not really. Not, not in that period. Uh, some of the weeks leading up to it, we, we would sneak in a little bit of volume, but I mean, for the most part in the middle of these, even in the middle of a normal like block of racing where you're racing Saturday, Sunday, um, typically there's a big travel block in there too, you know? So like if you race, Saturday, Sunday, then Sunday night, we're on the road. Monday, we finished driving or sometimes Tuesday, like when we were going from like Charm to uh, Madison, you know, but you kind of get that travel block out of the way and then you feel like shit because you haven't been riding. So it's like an easy spin. I think before Trek, I did, I did put a little bit of volume in. I did like a, like two, two and a half and three hour rides or something like that, but it's all just chill, you know, uh, just to, just to fluff and, and kind of, I guess, like maintain some semblance of, of aerobic capacity. So, yeah. So that's like, does that, does that outside of the 10 day period, which I know was his own animal there, but if you're doing like a typical, like first, first, uh, block in the, in the season, 
during, is that throughout the like most weeks, like say you're racing, whatever, Saturday, Sunday for four weeks in a row, are you kind of, and there's a lot of travel in there, like you said. Um, but is that for the most part what you're doing for the four weeks? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's such an interesting thing. Um, because it's like, you do these races like that and you think like, Oh, I'm racing every weekend for a couple weeks. You think you're going to get stronger, but over time you just start to taper because like I said, you're not, you're not working on that aerobic capacity and you're literally just doing intensity. And so at some point, you know, you need to step back and like rebuild on that foundation work. So this, so I switched coaches, um, at the beginning of the year, I started working with Chris McGovern of forever endurance and it's been really cool working with him. He gets me and he like very into like letting me go bike packing and doing obscure things. And so I actually did a ton of volume this year, like the most that I've ever done, which is something that I think I needed, especially like I'm excited to see how that plays out a little bit further down the road. I've always seemed to come into the, these first, like this first September block of racing and and have good fitness, but I've always like ridden my VO two out to make it through that. So this year it's been, it's been nice. Cause we didn't do, we might've done a handful of VO two work leading into the, to the season, but for the most part, it's just been longer sweet spot stuff and tempo stuff. So, um, I still think there's some room for improvement there, which is exciting. Uh, and then in terms of hitting that first block, like I said, um, early on, like when we were just doing the Saturday, Sunday races every weekend, uh, we would sneak in a, a longer ride. So usually like Wednesday would be a bit of a longer ride. One thing that I've started to do this year is not do, um, not do openers on Friday. So, which means we can do a little bit more on like a longer chill ride Tuesday, maybe some efforts on Wednesday or, or Wednesday efforts, Thursday, longer ride. And then I just like do a course inspection on Friday. Uh, just like do a couple laps to see what's going on. But yeah, I don't know. It's, I think like with racing every weekend and then you're, you're doing some kind of opener effort, uh, during the week. I just don't, it just seems like a lot to just like then have to do some openers Friday and then you're like on the trainer before the race doing openers. It's just, so I've eliminated both those things. So I'm just looking at like races as efforts, midweek efforts, and then just a course inspection. And I do a little trainer trainer fluff up just like 25 minutes spin, nothing. I just ride. Don't look at a power meter, just ride. And, uh, seems to be working out. That's awesome. And is this, is this a big change? from what you've done previous years or kind of just like a little tweak? Well, I would call it a tweak. Cause like in, in previous years, I would always think like, well, I need to get this Friday opener in and man, I used to do some hard efforts on Friday and it just like, like four, four or six, like two minute efforts. And it was just like on top of like, maybe, uh, maybe like a tempo lap or even like a little bit faster lap. So um, you're always just afraid of like going into the race and feeling stale. Right. So like, that's the, that's the idea behind that. But like I said, I think just racing and midweek efforts is enough to keep your engine pretty hot. I think uh, there's, there's also the big mental component there too. If like, you feel like you're doing too much on Friday. Then you yeah, for sure. Yeah. Or if you're just like, man, it's been a tough week. And then you're like, man, Wednesday's openers were tough not really feeling it today, but I'm going to go do these. And then you're like, well, fuck, I feel bad. Like now I'm going to have to go into the race, like with this, like lower expectation or like, you know, a little bit of an anxiety because you're not sure how it's going to go. Um, same thing with on the trainer, like before the race warming up, I used to do this thing where like, I used to remember what gears I would be in when I do my opener effort. And so I'd be like, oh, I'm in a better gear today. Like I'm going to crush it or, or vice versa. Like, oh man, I can barely spin this thing over. Like this is going to suck today, you know, that kind of thing. So I just kind of eliminated all of that. Like the reality of it is, is like, no matter what your power meter says or your heart rate data is what you're going to, what you're doing on the trainer, like it's not, 
you're not going to change how you race. So like if you can eliminate that negative mental component, then you'll at least give yourself a chance, you know? Yep. I think just going back to everything you said at the beginning too, of like just kind of going into hitting those steps every day, race day, you know, this is just what I do. And when the race, when the whistle goes off, it's just like, go as hard as I can. Right. And so like, yeah, if you're worried about openers on Friday and openers on the trainer and they're not going well, then there's like that other thing to worry about, you know, where if you can take that away, you're going to race how you're going to race regardless, you know? So what's the point? I'm glad you brought up openers. There was just, we have a, a discord. I don't know if you're familiar with discord. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have a, an evoke discord and we had just had a question last night about going into a double race weekend, cross weekend. If he was like, maybe I, I'm thinking about not doing openers. And we were all like, yeah, for sure. If it's stressful, if you're traveling, if you've got so many other things to go, you know, going on in your life, just skip it. No, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And, and it's scary for people. Cause it's like, you know, if you always do openers and you've had good results doing openers and then you want to take that away, it's like, you know, that can be scary. Cause you're like, well, f- now my whole race is going to be screwed, but it's, it's like, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> I think it's just, uh, it's such a little thing that I don't really think has a huge impact for sure. I think Espe- also, especially if, you know, like you have been, you have a race in your legs from last weekend and you've done some efforts this week. It's like, you're good. If you're coming straight off the couch, I would maybe suggest getting a little bit of effort in, but I mean, for the most, like for, for us, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. Yep. Agreed. What about for your, you said that you've increased the volume a little bit for um, your endurance rides and stuff. What's, what's like, typically do you have a set like hours you're trying to hit per week or maybe, and maybe this is backing up preseason. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure that, I mean, preseason, we, we haven't done like big volume blocks uh, since probably like June, July, I would say, um, even back in like May and April, those were big. April was like a huge month for me cause I did a bunch of bike packing. And so I did like a, I did like a two week stretch where it was like a 40 hour week and then like a 30 hour week or something. But I mean, it was all bike packing, So it was like, you know, I had to move or I would be stuck in the woods. <laughs> uh, but I mean, to be honest, I can't say that I focused on those, those metrics that much. I kind of just like let this, the other thing that, that happened when I got a new coach was like really trusting Chris to like take the reins and just, you know, obviously question him if I didn't understand something or I wasn't sure about something, but to just go with it in years past, I've gone rogue and like not, not stayed in zones, you know, done this or that. And it's, and sometimes it has been detrimental. So I was just, I just really like, didn't pay attention to too much. I told him I wanted to ride a lot this year and he made me ride a lot. So I can't, I can't tell you an actual hour number. I reckon I could look at training peaks, but uh, yeah. No, I think that's good. I think it's just more time on the bike is always good. You know, yeah. Yeah. what about, so this is a question we always get is going into cross season. How much time should I spend on the cross bike? How much time should I spend on the road bike? Can I ride my mountain bike? And it sounds like for you, you are doing some different things. You're doing the bike packing. Do you have, it sounds like you have some flexibility in your plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that depends on the person for sure. So like for somebody like me, like I feel pretty comfortable on a cross bike all the time. I might have to get on like a handful of times before the first race of the season, just to remember what getting off your bike and getting back on feels like what it's like to put your bike on your shoulder, that kind of thing. But in terms of like technical riding, I don't really feel like I ever lose that. Um, It's just like a, it's more like a reacquaintance with it, you know, like while I'm doing those getting on and off the bike things, like a handful of rides for me works, works out to where like, I feel good in the position again. Like I, I get it, you know, somebody that's maybe not as technically skilled might need a bit more time to do that. Um, so for me, like I like to mix it up a lot, you know, I think riding, riding one bike, like I'm already, uh, I'm already thinking like next week, I'm probably going to do a bunch of mountain biking, uh, just cause I love racing cross, but like training, training on the cross bike is lame, you know, like in Europe, it's really cool because they have like 
they have a whole team that goes out into the woods on like, I mean, basically like they're basically cross trails, but they're just like walking trails in the woods. And so they just like throttle themselves and that that's awesome. But we're in America and everybody is super spread out here. So it's like doing some, doing some efforts midweek with your bros isn't always, you know, feasible. You can always like find a group, but sometimes the skill and fitness is so, so varied that it just, you're just out there doing your own thing anyway. Um, so mixing it up, I think is like a good, a good kind of, uh, uh, I'm blanking on a word here, but like a good alternative, I guess, to doing that because it just keeps you sharp on like all, you know, like all different sides. I think mountain biking, it's just like line choice. You got to like stay attentive, looking up. Uh, And then obviously on the road, there's like, it's all about power. So you can really work on fitness stuff that way. Um, Yeah, I think it's all, it's all different gravel is now in that spectrum too so you're like working on like high speed corners there they're super loose um and like unweighting you know like in gravel a lot of people just like sit their ass on the saddle and like rip down a hill but you know there is a technique to it so you don't flat and that same technique applies to cross i mean we hit roots and rocks and stuff so you have to be ready for that kind of thing for sure. Yeah, I was talking to um, Alexi Vermeulen, who I know you're racing against this weekend, a couple of weeks ago, and he did the same thing. He's like, I just ride whatever bike I feel like it, you know? Yeah. Um, I also asked him if he was going to race cross, and he said it's probably not going to happen. Oh, come on. <laughs> I know. I'll try I to know. change his mind this weekend. Talk to him this weekend. Get him out yeah. there. Um, but uh, so, well, let's talk about this weekend. This is, have you raced Iceman? You're racing Iceman Comet, which yep. is in, is that Michigan, correct? Yep. Like yep. Traverse City. Awesome. Um, have you, have you raced it before? No, I haven't. Okay. I've always wanted to, um, because while we, so back in the day when Louisville was still a cross race, there was a handful of of athletes that were doing specifically Troy Wells. I remember he was wild, crazy man, but he would do, he would do both days at Louisville and then he would drive up to Michigan, do Iceman on Saturday, and then drive back down and do Cincy on Sunday. And I, he was like one of the first people that turned him and, and Brian Motter, obviously. They both turned me on to this idea of Iceman. And there's always been this illustrious, gigantic grand prize of like six grand for the win. And so it's always been something really cool. It always has been cool to me, too, because it's like, oh, I'm in cross season. I'm like <clears throat> in good form these mountain bikers that show up, it's their last race of the season. They're about to hit the off switch. You know, they're just like clinging to whatever they have. And so Troy would always do really well there. So I'm hoping that kind of works out in my favor this year. (laughs) And I saw also, first of all, good luck. Um, It would have been awesome if there was some, some, uh, if I can, it was televised. That would be amazing. Oh yeah. What I saw you're racing the, would you call it a gravel bike? You're set up and you should check out Carrie on his, I think you have a write up on the Kona blog and also yeah. on your Instagram, Yeah. but it's like a, I'd, I'd call that. Like it, is a, a, go ahead. it is a gravel frame. A gravel so frame. I would yeah, call yeah. it a gravel bike, but okay. then, yeah, I got the Fox rad fork on it. I think it's 40 mils of, of, of squish in the front. So not huge, but like enough. And that allowed me to run some bigger tires. So I got two, two, five up front and i've got a 45c rambler in the back so it's like yeah it's like blurring the line between i think somebody i think gordon wadsworth on my instagram said that looks like the best worst mountain bike ever (laughs) (laughs) it is weird though i've been thinking about this like at what point are we just going to put drop bars on our full suspension mountain bikes and and in fact, I was thinking about that yesterday. I was like, man, if I ever have to do Unbound, that is what I'm going to do it on. So two things there. One, when I first saw your post on Instagram, I thought that it was a, uh, which I thought it was a mountain bike. I'm like, oh, Carrie put drop bars on the mountain bike. This is interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I read, but um, Unbound, have you, I don't know if you've done, typically I think in your run into the seasons, you do, I know you did a lot of road racing, which I want to talk about this year. And then you do like a lot of mountain bike races and you did bike packing and stuff. Does, does doing some longer gravel races interest you? Not that long. I don't ever want to do that. If I go to unbound, I'll do the hundred. 
I think I think a bunch of us cross racers are going to try to get together and put a little pact in. Like we're going to try to popularize the 100. Okay. Well, it'll be like more of a race, you know. The 200 just like dissolves into a race of attrition at some point. It's like if you've made it through the flats, and then you're at the end, and it's just like, okay, who's going to wear out first? I think the hundred would be cool because we'd just be like sending bombs on each other. I think Hyde won the hundred this this year, didn't he? He did. Yeah, yeah. he was a smart man. Dude. Yeah, I was just we had a comment on YouTube about like that gravel should always be long, um, and I, I think it'd be more interesting. Which, like you said, like if it's a hard four hour race, like I think that would be there's a whole different dynamic there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same as with cross. It's like pe- people make a big well, not people, but like. Uh, there's a big stink about like how long cross races should be. And like the women end up racing for 40 minutes sometime. And then the men always go at least an hour. So like, if you're on the lead lap with Vanderpool or wow, you know, like I've clocked like one hour, 18 cross races. And so it's like, man, the race wouldn't be any different if it was 50 minutes for us. Like it would actually be more exciting because there would be less of this lull in the middle. So yeah, I think it was on Vandenham's podcast. He was just talking about the same thing. He was like, if 50 minutes is a better time, then just make all the races 50 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Then I would finish at like an hour or eight. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Europe. What, uh, I'm jumping all over the place here. What is your, are you, are you going, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably going usually later in the season. Yeah. And this will probably be my last trip over there. Uh, but it works out well this year because we don't have to go over so long. So after nationals, which is the third weekend in December, we'll fly over on Monday. So nationals is Sunday. We'll fly over on Monday and then we'll start the Christmas period. And I think we're flying back January 7th and then yeah, I have like two weeks before world champs. So should be a good little block. What are your feelings on the world champ course? From oh, I don't weeks? like it. Oh no. <laughs> No, it's pretty lame. It's just, I mean, I'm stoked on what they're doing up there. Like it's a really cool venue and uh, really cool to see that money being invested in cycling in general and like having a, having a multi-discipline venue, you know, but yeah, it's just kind of boring. There's no, there's no off cambers. Um, I'm really hoping it's dry for world champs because when it was muddy, uh, at Fayetteville world cup, it was just the tractor pool. Like there was like that one fun downhill where you were like foot out for a while. It was like maybe a minute, a minute downhill or more minute and a half. And then, but then you had to climb a minute and a half back up to the pit. And it's like a minute and a half climb and a cross race is just, that's unheard of. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know there. I mean, I'm excited to be there for it. Cause I think, I think it's going to be huge, like across in America, pretty centrally located, like somewhat easy for a lot of people to get to. So should be a big, big event, but the course uh, is not necessarily my favorite. I did hear that they might be making a few tweaks to the course. I don't know what that's going to be, you know, but yeah, it'd be cool. We- I heard that we destroyed like a hundred thousand dollars worth of sod. Oh. <laughs> so I went up there in March, uh, I was on the project echelon road team this past, uh, this past year. And we did a training camp in Fayetteville. And so I snuck away and got up to the track in March and did a little pre-ride and there was just, it was just dirt and like loose, loose dirt on top with like a bunch of rocks embedded here and there, like just little baby headstones or whatever. And I guess the UCI came and checked it out and was like, yeah, there's too many rocks here. You got to put some grass down. And so then they got somebody, I guess Walmart wrote a check to some sod farmer. And uh, I can only imagine what that, the guy was either thinking two things. He was watching the video of a world cup and he was like, Oh no, all of that sod. Or he was just <laughs> like, yes, I'm going to do a drop somewhere. You know, like my bank account's stoked. <laughs> yeah. I, um, it seems like it'd be a totally different race if it was completely dry. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll, it'll be, it could be harder. I think like, cause it'll be looser. It'll be loose and fast. And so there'll be speed limit where like 
Fayetteville World Cup, there was no speed limit. It was just like, how much power can you put out? And like, there wasn't really a, a technical aspect to it. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be pretty interesting. I, I think like it seems like one of the defining features is just like the steps, like the, the big run up. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. What um, are you speaking of steps and running? Are you doing what's like your running protocol? Do you do a lot of running going into the season during the season? Uh, I did a little bit before the season and then we didn't really fit any in, in this first block, um, which I have mixed feelings about. Like we didn't need it. So I'm, I, I was glad we didn't do a bunch of it, but at the same time, like I know later in the season, especially going over to Europe, sometimes we need it a lot more. Um, and so running has always been one of my weaker, weaker points. Um, but I don't know, you can only work on so many weaknesses at once. And we've been trying to iron out some of the other ones that I have. And like I said, we haven't needed it yet, but now we are like, ironically over the last week I've ran three times. So we got to do a run after this podcast. And then, yeah, so we're kicking back into things, kicking back into it. What's like a typical run? Are we talking 15 minutes? Uh, right now, since like I haven't done it, a lot we're just like we're getting into like acclimation stuff so it's just like easier longer runs so it's like i've just been doing 30 minute runs uh, however i feel i'm yeah. not sure what chris has in mind moving forward but like probably working in like stair stair sprints or whatever cool and what about strength training no i used to do a bunch of that before like last previous years like in 2020 uh, 2019, I did a bunch of strength training, but this past year with all the volume that we added into the program, it was really hard to kind of fit all that in, not to mention like motivation wise, like hit the, hit the weight rack after a four or five hour ride was pretty tough. Um, so this past year, I've just been like trying to focus on mostly, uh, like core and stability stuff. Um, I have a, skill board which has been fun um because it's like 360 degree it's not like on a track like most balance boards it's just like a board on top of a ball basically so it's like 360 degrees of trying to stay upright which has been fun and then yeah i mean just having a solid core and balance program i think is important just because cross is so dynamic you know you're on and off the bike trying to hold ruts, trying to not slide down off cameras, that kind of thing. Are you doing that during throughout the season too, when you can, like, are you bringing anything on the RV with you? No, I haven't been, like I said, like, man, this, this first six weekends have been so crazy. It's just been like all I could do to, to just make it through. So I think here through the rest of the season, I'll be adding more of that back in. Uh, but yeah, it was the, the trailer was already packed. So <laughs> there's no room. <laughs> um, so getting back to Europe, you had said this is probably your last season. Is there a reason for that? What's Well, um, I mean, yeah, basically it's just like an added expense. So flight over there with all of our stuff and then to stay over there to buy food. We have uh, we usually stay at the chain stay, which has great uh, housing options, but it's still a, a, a cost. And then, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm I'm like a sourpuss about it, but it's just a whole it's a whole ball, like different thing over there. Like it's it's great when the Euros come over here um, and we get to race them. The difference is they're like they've barely gotten into their season. And we're over here like peaking for the first six weeks of the race and, and scrapping for top 15s, top 10s or whatever. Um, so like then to go over there, it's the end of our season. Everybody has a huge focus on nationals. And then it's kind of just like, all right, let's see what happens when we go over there. So it just, it's tough because the other thing is like you go over there and I feel like the Euros get treated much better over here by race promoters than we get treated over there by race promoters. You know, we're kind of, I, I kind of feel like we're, we're looked at as outsiders when we come in over there. And when they come over here, they're almost treated 
not quite like royalty, but like, you know, they, they're, uh, they're held to a higher standard, I guess. That's interesting. Do you, that's, that's a major bummer. Do you think that with Clara getting the win on Monday, that this is could could change some things? I know it's not going to change everything, but it's a, it's a move in the right direction. Well, I mean, not necessarily because I mean, kudos to Clara. That was a huge win, but women in our women, our U S women in, in Europe have, have done better than our men have. Like we've had Katie Keogh on podiums, you know, Katie Compton's one stuff. Uh, Clara has been smashing it. Like Caroline has been silver medalist at world champs. Like we Magali crushes it. Like we have really fast women. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't think that that's going to change anything for us. I think the men need to start stepping it up. <laughs> what about, so say like in a perfect world, and I'm just curious to throw this out there. If like you, you know, money, you know, no issue here. Would you go over and do a whole season in Europe? Like, is it, is it fun from that standpoint? It would be fun. I think like that would be the way to do it. You know, like if I, it'd be cool to, to have the opportunity to go over there and like, almost like Gosa Vandermeer did over here uh, where he came over and he's been racing everything from the start to the finish. It would be fun to go over there and like be on a, an actual Belgian team, like get brought into the fold experience what that's all like, you know, have the camaraderie of those like group group dynamics, you know, like training sessions, all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, like really be immersed in the racing culture over there. I think it would be really interesting. I might have some different perspectives uh, after something like that. Me and some of my friends always, we were talked about that. Like how come it would be great to see an American on, you know, whatever, Elpis and Phoenix or, you know, a cross team over there. Um, I know that there's a lot more to it. And of course I'm on the sidelines, you know, with my beer talking about this. <laughs> But do you, do you think that could ever happen if some, if somebody were to go over and live in Europe? Well, I think it would be mainly results-based, right? Like, so if there was a good enough rider to do it, I think the opportunity is there. Otherwise, it's just a privateer thing. You got to, like, convince either U.S. sponsors that it's worth it for you to go over there, or you got to convince, you know, Belgian money that you, that they should give you a shot. Yep. Yep. Good point, man. Um, what about... Through all this, one of the questions we got from one of our athletes was, how do you stay motivated through the season? Like you're doing a lot of races, you're traveling. What, what keeps you going? Um, yeah, I mean, this, this year I, I'm a little biased in saying this. It's been fun to, to win and like try to win. Not, I only won one race, but it's been fun to be there and like constantly be battling for the win. So that's always been – that has been my motivation this year. Um, in years past, I would, I mean, like I said, I, I'm biased cause I've been battling for the front of the race for a couple years now. And so that's, that's always been the, the focus, like what, what little tweaks can I make that's going to, you know, put me on the top step more consistently or whatever. Um, so that's always the motivation. Um, this year I'm even more motivated for later in the season uh, where in years past, I, I usually like kind of dread it. Cause I know that like things are starting to like, you know, level off for me. Um, but this year I'm, I'm excited to get past Hendersonville and like head into nationals. And I mean, I'm even excited to go over to Europe. I've never gone over there with like a fresh, a fresh mind before it's always been like, I've always peaked in mid November coasted into nationals and just been like, all right, let's go over to Europe for two months and just like <laughs> wallow in the cold and dankness of uh, Belgium. So yeah, it should, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. What about, what are your, it sounds like nationals definitely always a target of yours. I'm guessing probably Pan Ams as well. You want to double up there? Oh yeah. It'd be cool to not have to like get a new kit and stuff. Continue yeah. to wear pinstripes on the helmet. Uh, but yeah, big focus is nationals. That's a, uh, full speed ahead to Nats right now. Do we know anything about the course? Uh, ironically enough, when I did Intelligentsia this past year, uh, I did the Wheaton crit and the, 
the race was like two blocks from there, like half a mile from the crit course, but I didn't get to go see it. Apparently it's just on a golf course. I've been told there's a little bit of elevation there. So yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what the course is going to be like. So talking about crits, it seems like on you did a few more road races this year than you typically have done. Do you think that was a good like run into this your cross season? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like like I said, I didn't do a bunch of of intensity VO2 stuff because I think I had like I had those races to fall back on. Um I did a Belgian waffle ride in in Asheville. So I kind of got my intensity through those races, which was nice because, you know, you don't have to think about it. You just like go do the race. Uh, and that was a pretty low pressure situation for me. Uh, so it was cool to, to do that. Also like a big learning experience for me. Um, I've ne- done like one or two big crits before, but never a big, you know, nine day block or a seven day block of them. So yeah, it was fun. Awesome. I know I kept you here for an hour, Carrie. Um, I got just one last thing. What's your best piece of advice for someone getting into CX? Um, I would say to like, not worry about equipment too much. Like don't stress over the small things. I think just throw yourself into a race and man, I, I don't know. I think like it's always just fun for me. I think like with the shorter race time, you know, under an hour, there's usually you're going to race with people. There's always like a carrot to chase. At least I've always felt that way. And so if that's kind of what you're into, like you're into racing and you like that experience, I think cross is like the best way to do it. I think mountain biking gets a little bit too spread out. Road biking is a bit too tactical. Um, I think cross is like a good middle ground and somebody like me that really likes the technical aspect of racing, like, there's always, there's always ways to push corners harder and faster. And it's, it's kind of like a puzzle, you know, like you do a bunch of laps on the same course. So you're trying line different lines out all lap. And then, you know, at some point you got to link it all together and put down like the fastest lap or like try to outdo somebody on a certain section. It's just, it's always, for me, it's just like, there's always something that can be done. It's never like a stagnant process in the race. I was just talking to somebody last night and they were, they asked me why I like cross more than road and mountain bikes. And the word I used was artistry. It's like, there's a certain artistry about cross. Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind I always tell people it's like F1 racing, you know, like you never hit a corner by itself. You hit a corner thinking how it's going to spit you out to set you up for the next corner. So it's always like, yeah, you're drawing lines. You're just like picking the best way through the course. And then like, obviously that changes when you got to jump the inside on somebody and like, how does that affect what's going to happen next? It's always, yeah, it's always changing. All right. Awesome. Well, Carrie, thank you so much. Good luck this weekend. I will link your Instagram and your, your vlog and YouTube and everything in the show notes. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right. I'll see you. See you, man. Bye.